here we are back today wow i'm so excited it's this is the third time i've interviewed you <laughs> yes. i interviewed you back in 2017 yeah. i was like an awkward teenager you you had a very strong energy as a teenager we we hopped in like your crib and you were like yo like this is what my life's all about bah 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 and i was like wow <laughs> like i was taken aback i mean i have all these questions right here um but i kind of want to start that out like where do you, where do you think you developed a lot of confidence and like a natural leadership energy as a like a very young person what do you think that that came from that's a, a great question. I honestly would say it's a combination of, of nature versus nurture. And um, I come from some very, very great parents. And I believe that I got the best attributes of them. Uh, my mom, per, you know, in particular, is just a very strong sense of self. And I think, um, you know, just coming from that, it naturally embedded itself into me. And then as I've gotten older and kind of just like understood you know, the nature around me and just, you know, been a Chicago kid. It's like you kind of have to be sure of yourself. Not kind of. You do have to be sure of yourself to get where you want to go. So I think it's something that is like pretty much naturally in me, but the city has definitely helped me sharpen it. And especially with like, you know, not living in Chicago, it's like I have to really keep it, protect it and maintain it. It's definitely like one of my strongest attributes. Speaking of not being in Chicago, you really established your roots here, and then you ended up going to New York. Yes. You kind of want to talk about the story of the the brand and the connection with people that you built while you were in Chicago with Kim Products, that's now Shy Products, and then you went to New York. Do you want to give like a little story of kind of like how you built this fashion brand? Yes, definitely. So when me and Matt spoke when I was 17 years old, it was just, um, you know, a hobby almost, and... Kim Products was something that was pretty much just a label of my creations. And I hadn't really particularly digested where I wanted the brand to be or what I wanted the audience to be. And as I developed with Kim Products and honestly just grew more as Kim, I really started to sharpen the, the saw, perhaps, and really turned Kim Products not only into just, you know, a Hobby Lobby, but pretty much, you know, a full functioning business that also you know, um, just serves more than just products. That's really the biggest thing. It's not just about the materialistic things at all. And it never quite was. That's really the, the basis of it is. It's always been more about community and inspiring somebody. And I've been grateful enough to, you know, be born and raised in Chicago, be a real Chicago baby, and um, just really understand the aspect of each one, teach one, reach one. And oh. yeah, Kim Products is, <laughs> is really the the beginning of that. It's like each one, you know, me, for example, an individual, teach one. So anything I learned with Kim Products, I immediately knew that it would be invaluable if I wasn't passing on that knowledge. Mm. And uh, reach one is the last part of that little phrase that I like to use. And it's like, even though you're teaching somebody, you still have to go and reach out to more and make sure that that person that you're teaching is putting that extra hand out and just really completing the circle is what I like to say as well. Like you really just have to think about things bigger than yourself. And that's really what Kim Products was all about from the jump was like, okay, I want this to serve more than just myself. So now Shy Products is really the reflection of that. And it shows like, okay, it's not just Kim working on stuff. 
there's a group of five of us that are extremely talented. I'm so grateful and I miss you guys. And um, it's just a reflection of anything that I can do, you can do better. And that's really the point. It's like it's healthy competition within a team. And we push each other like no other. We pray together. And it's just a really, really good functioning team that gets not only business done, but also creative endeavors, which is extremely priceless nowadays. And, um, yeah, we all have moved to New York successfully, which is great. Um, wow. Just, just pretty much, you know, accomplishing those those goals of an inner child, to be honest. Like, to be able to say that I moved to New York is, is great, but to say that me and my team moved to New York is really where it's at. So I like I like to walk better than I can talk. Speaking of your team, you guys are super locked in. Super. Like. If you like this, <laughs> what you know. I've had a lot of experiences with teams on my own, and to get to a point where not only do you go to all these events with your team and you work on everything with them you pray together but y'all live together yes (laughs) i'm like how do you guys not get sick of each other i love them so much i'll never get sick of them (laughs) like i don't know and it's funny because we've been living with each other for like over a year now like any type of like trial period is over with like any type of bs that could possibly shake the boat we've we've rode it well So I love my team. I think that it's very important to, like, let God show you who's aligned with you and, like, to just let people kind of naturally find their way and naturally align yourself with people that have the same goals as you. Mm -hmm. Like, I have friends, and I have, you know, a lot of childhood friends, acquaintances. Do we have the same goals? No. And that's really where it's like my most of my time is going to go to the people that are working towards the same things Mm -hmm. as me, period. So that's another thing that really keeps my team really close is, like, we're all super ambitious people. Like, if you meet any of us individually, it's a reflection of all of us together. That's so important to me because it's like I'm just a piece of the puzzle, but, I'm you know, at the at one point I can be the strongest piece or I can be the weakest piece depending on how I move around. So it's all about understanding, like, you are a reflection of who you are around and then if you're around the right people, it really just lets you shine differently. You said something a little back about Kim products and Shy products not being just about the clothes. Mm. And something you've been really good at over the years is throwing events. Mm. <laughs> like when you were a teenager, I say this a lot to people, like you used to throw 100, 200, 300 person fashion so real, shows. You know, yeah. As like a 17 year old. That's different. Yes. What is it about events that you feel like drew you in and that you were always, you know? That was so fun, by the way. Like, I have the biggest smile on my face just remembering all of the memories that we've created. And um, I think events specifically really touch my heart because when I was a kid I used to have a lot of birthday parties Hmm. like my mom would make sure I had a birthday party every year regardless if it was just you know like a small thing with family or if it was like you know something where I could like go invite people from school it was just that level of celebration like I've never dimmed down the level of celebrating every day so the fashion shows and you know the other types of events that I've thrown it's really just trying to bring people together and have good vibes and have good artwork have good things around, you know what I'm saying? That way people are inspired when they go home. So I think events are a good way to really show what you're about. Like you can't fake it. 
you can go to somebody's event and you can really kind of understand a little inner piece of their brain almost because they're expressing themselves to you. So I think the events really led to a bigger picture of like, okay, we want people to feel some type of way when they hear our name or just when I when they see our products type thing. So yeah, I think the events are really just getting started, to be honest. And mm. I'm glad that we have a good foundation of just having good people, good vibes, and good products around. Not only have you done a lot with your own fashion brand, but you've kind of explored the fashion world in different ways. Like, you went to school for it, and you were like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, literally. Uh, you worked with Pierre Moss. You worked with... Adidas as an intern. You want to talk about these like different experiences and touch points you've had with the fashion world and how like you feel about all that? Yeah, definitely. So I think that the fashion world is a beautiful place because there's not a lot of rules. And that's where I like to stay. Anywhere anywhere where I don't have to be constructed by rules or like by certain, you know, kind of like boxing or categorization, then I love that. And I think um, me going to school for it was a great experience, actually, even though I didn't finish. It was a great experience <laughs> because um, it just I, I'm a, a great fan of perspective. And one thing I like about fashion is that you're sharing your perspective visually, you know, with other people. And working with brands like Adidas, uh, Pierre Moss, and even like Vic Mensa and working with 93 Punks with his brand. Oh, wow. I didn't um, yeah, it's been cool. I think it's really just about being yourself in every room and being it unapologetically. Like, when I walked in Pierre Moss, I'm like, yo, I'm Kim from Chicago. <laughs> like, everybody remember that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that that never goes anywhere, and as it shouldn't. You know what I'm saying? It's like that should be... Especially in the fashion world, like your personal history and just your personal DNA should be embedded not only just in your presence in the room, but also in your work. And I think that one thing that got me really far, particularly with brands like Adidas and Pierre Moss, was just that level of like precision. Putting yourself into yeah, it. Yeah, and just like personality, yeah, and just like really trying to articulate myself in a, in a way where it's like I'm being myself and I'm bringing everything that I have to bring to the table, but I'm also really understanding the assignment. I'm conforming to what the ideas are, and I'm immersing myself into this brand's identity momentarily and then putting mine to the side. Mm -hmm. So that's important, too. I think every every teacher has to be a student, and every student has to know when to step up to be a teacher. And that's really important for me and brands like, you know, with brands like that is just that level of, like, absorbing and then making sure that, I'm also inputting, you know, the same type of things that I'm getting out of it. What do you think is that balance between <clears throat> embracing no rules and principles? Yes. I think Well, what is principles to you? Mm. I think principles is, you know, a pretty vague term, but I think principles are more moral codes. Moral codes. I think sometimes it is very key for me to be around people that have the same type of morals as me. And, you know, everybody's not like that, but I am. I just feel like if we don't align ourselves on certain types of morality, you know, sequences, then the principles are just always going to shake up. Like, it's, it's always going to be misaligned if, the, if those are not aligned. So I try to make sure that I'm in a space where 
you know, I can be free. And I think freedom is so important for me, too, to be unapologetically me. But then I also think about that level of, like, humanity and empathy. And I really do care for others, you know, um, just immensely. Like, I think you are me. I am you. I wouldn't do something to you that I wouldn't want done to me. Some people don't live like that. A lot of people just be living life like, oh, I don't owe people shit. Like, what? Like, you're not, you know what I'm saying? The universe is not going to bless you like that. So I think when it comes to principles, it's, it's really heavy on the things that I take serious. And then no rules is just that level of like not everything needs to be taken serious. So it's about finding a good balance between those two. You said, you know, there's the idea of treat others the way you want to be treated. But you said don't treat others the way you wouldn't want them mm-hmm. to treat you. Yep, definitely. So there's this philosophy called Ubuntu. And Ubuntu is just a simple, you know, there's many definitions, but it's a simple principle of I am you, you are me, we are one. And I think that learning about that philosophy put a lot of um, a lot of things into perspective for me of just like how I naturally have looked at the world, like from a young child low-key. I've just always been very empathetic and very selfless almost. And um, as somebody with a strong sense of self, it's also hard to balance that because it's like I constantly have to get in the mode of like seeing others but then also seeing myself but um I'm still figuring it out to be sure to be real because it's like I I constantly grow and other people grow too and people change so that's a whole another aspect of it too is like change is inevitable so no matter how much you learn or how much you you know do there's always just that level of change so still still figuring that one out you want to treat people with the utmost empathy, care, and respect as possible without that getting in the way of your own personal mm-hmm. boundaries and sense of, like, yeah. respect for yourself. Definitely. Yeah. That's it's hard. hard. That's really hard for somebody. Like, I don't know. For somebody like me, it's really hard because it's like I never necessarily have to question myself, but I will give too much to others. To the point where it's like, damn, I have to like really like sit with myself, recharge, recalibrate and like really get back on the mode that I want to be on. So when you have such a big heart, you really have to learn how to use it and when to not use it. So it's that I think that level of balance of like understanding when to put energy out and when to keep it in. You're big on expressing and embodying idea of masculine and feminine energy in an unconventional way like people get so stuck on the idea of oh like man woman but don't realize that those energies are inside everyone Mm -hmm. and uh you express those in a really unique way like you have a very solid masculine energy to you but you don't let that get in the way of your femininity Mm, so how do you how do you navigate all that yeah, that's still that's still a journey too, to be honest. <laughs> but um, I appreciate the compliment because it is something that I do do try to sharpen, you know, as much as I can. And honestly, I think as a Chicago woman, it's a little bit easier for me to tap into my masculinity <laughs> yeah. because it's just like we're not going for nothing. You know what I'm saying? And like I say that with my chest, it's like that aspect of like Chicago women go through so much. That it is not hard for us to be like independent on top of it and just boss ladies. However, you know, taking a step away from that, I think going to college, you know, particularly 
really helped me understand that as a woman, it is so much more valuable for you to just like sit down and to just like stay put up and to just kind of like even just be quiet sometimes. Like I didn't understand that living in Chicago for real. Kind of just like was always constantly trying to defend myself, always constantly trying to like prove myself to myself, like just a lot of energy, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, I think in other places, it's easier to release energy in feminine ways. I think you like in Chicago, it's hard for me to be a really, really, you know, pretty girly girl because I'm always thinking about what somebody else is thinking. Mm. But when you take yourself out of that environment, you have the ability to kind of just like divinely be you. And I think that that's even more important for people like when they travel outside of Chicago to just understand that level of like, I can be whatever I want to be. And I really try to embrace that every day where it's like, okay, if I want to wear comfy clothes and I want to look like a little boy, I'm going to do that. And that's okay. (laughs) And tomorrow, if I want to wear a dress and look like, you know, the cutest little girl, I'm going to do that. And it's okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's like embracing that every day and embracing the change that comes within you. It's like, if I'm not having a good day, I'm not going to fake it. Or if I don't feel safe, I'm not going to fake it. Mm -hmm. But if I do, you know, feel safe around people and like, you know, I'm getting taken care of correctly, then, yeah, I'll let my femininity, you know, do its thing. But it's about discretion as well. Like, I think having the ability to be, you know, in between both energies is a superpower, like genuinely a superpower. I really admire men that understand, you know, how to navigate through masculinity and femininity because I'm not trying to be around a hyper-masculine man all the time. Like, I'm just not. No one wants to be around that all the time. And it's like, don't nobody want to be around, you know, somebody that's like over emotional and over feminine Mm -hmm. because that's a lot to take in. So it's like balance in general is necessary, but it's also about like balancing your personality to really just kind of like maintain the image that you're trying to maintain. Like I want little girls to look at me and be like, oh, she's so pretty. Like I can look like her one day. I don't have to show my hair to be the, the cutest girl around. You know what I'm saying? Or just, like, I don't want little boys to be like, oh, like, she looks like a little boy. I want them to be like, oh, no, she has, like, a cool jacket on. Like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So it's, like, just being real with yourself. Like, I want to inspire every type of child. And I want to inspire kids like me that, you know, were deemed as a quote-unquote tomboy when I just wanted to be comfortable. Like, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be able to play sports and, you know, do everything that everybody else was doing and not have to worry about getting my clothes dirty. So, it's that level of understanding, too, where it's like, I think I, I heavily believe in just like letting people do them. And I always am going to do me. So I think that also speaks volumes to a room. It's like when you wanted to wear comfy clothes, you weren't going out of your way to not look like a girl. Yeah. And I feel like there's this, there's this tendency that people like it's either you pick a side like I'm doing right. this or I'm doing like that. that when people are just being themselves on the side of the men or on the side of the women like it's like that seems so unnecessary to me tomorrow you could wake up feeling completely different that's my thing (laughs) like you know what i'm saying like you could see a picture of tyler the creator and be like yo he rocked that like i'm about to go crazy tomorrow my fit and it's gonna shape who you are the next day like people are are very comfortable in themselves sometimes and i'm just like no i want to be better every day like i don't want to be like yesterday i literally want to be better than her like myself you know what I'm saying her yourself exactly (laughs) you're right letting yourself be whoever you want to be 
you don't constrain yourself to a single art form. You don't mm-hmm. say, I am Kamisha, the fashion designer. Right. You let yourself paint. Yes. You do like random graffiti on places outside your crib or on, <laughs> yes. uh, what, what's the thing? Fire, the, the fire extinguishers. Fire, yes. fire, the, fire, the fire hydrants. The fire hydrants, yes. yeah. <laughs> and you yes. do music. Yes. So, um, music's been so fun too. Yeah. How's, how's it been going with music? It's so cool. I really love challenging myself. Like, I love learning new things, and I think the best part about music is that aspect of, like, fun. A lot of people aren't doing music for fun nowadays. Mm. I'm trying to go in the studio and have a blast. Like, I'm not worried about, you know, getting a tape out, or I'm not worried about having the hottest song. Like, like, I'm good on all that. I just want to have fun and, you know, have something to do with my friends that is cool. So it's it's nice tapping into other mediums because— I think no matter what type of art you do, you should always be having fun. And a lot of people lose that. Like, Mm. now that people have learned how to be, like, living off their art constantly, people don't be having fun with their art. And I feel like when I was a kid, that was, like, the most important thing to me. It was, like, I'm going to be an artist because I want to have fun every day. And then if I can make money from that, it's a plus. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think the money needs to come last almost, and... Another thing when it comes to just, like, mediums is, like, that level of, like, listening to that inner voice that you have. So it's, like, if you hear something as an artist, you usually want to, like, either partake in it or do it better or just, you know, pass it along. But those certain times where I get inspired from certain mediums, I really try to pour into that inspiration. So if I see somebody painting and I'm like, hey, like, I want to do that, then I'm going to try to go do that tomorrow. And I'm going to make that my project for the day to try that idea that I had yesterday. So it's really that level of like mental stamina where it's like I just don't want to I don't want to constrain myself to anything. Like if somebody was like, yo, we about to go skydiving tomorrow. I'd be like, bet. Let's go. Like, you know, what I'm saying with no prior research, nothing. I'm just (laughs) like it's a new experience. And I would I would love to challenge myself to a new experience and learn something new let's let's dig it so with art I have the same approach it's like I picked up painting because I was like looking at something and I'm like yo I can do that and if I can't do it the same way then I can at least try some people be scared to try Mm -hmm. and that is also something I'm not afraid to do like I'm just gonna try at least I tried some people will be like I that's not my thing I'm not gonna dabble in it Mm. but like why? How, yeah, thing? it's yeah. just like just try it. Like I don't know. Maybe it's because I put my ego to the side at all times. I I I don't care about looking a fool. I don't mm. care about sounding bad. You don't at care least about I, if the song yeah, sounds right. Bad to you. And hey, I don't make bad songs. That's the <laughs> thing too. And it's like when you're a great artist, you kind of realize how like if you go into things with the right intention, you can't lose. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people don't understand with me is just like. I really shape myself to be a good person. So anything I touch is going to be good. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and I, I I take pride in that because every day I strive to be great. So of course, when I touch on art or music or I'm in the studio or I'm painting, I'm going to put greatness into anything I do. And it's like, everyone should have that level of resilience where it's like, yo, like I'm just going to keep trying until it becomes something that I'm actually good at then you never know. It would, it would be, we would have way more painters, musicians, you know, it, like the world would just be such a more playful place mm-hmm. because people aren't, wouldn't be so worried about half of the stuff that we're worried about, you know? Why do you think it's hard for people to just have fun? 
or capitalism. <laughs> capitalism? That's an interesting answer. Why? Bills? Because they, oh yeah, Money. right. Because they got they got bills to pay. Like that. Yes, to that's, be honest, like yeah. that's a pretty straightforward. That's because answer. I also don't believe in any like government system that we have. Like I'm very much free minded. I will do. I will not raise my children on this continent. So that's a whole nother. On this continent? Yes. That's a whole nother conversation. But You don't um, think the whole world is kind of like locked into this economic game? <laughs> I mean, yeah. But I think that, and when you go when you go to the other countries, there's a level of peace, like mental peace. Mm, and I agree. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's that level. It's like, it's not the hamster wheel. Like, yeah, everybody's moving, but it's not the hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. So it's like that level of like understanding what's really important. And I think that the things that are really important are like the now, you know, the the memories that you're making day by day, the projects that you're starting, the projects that you're finishing. Like that's way more important to me than thinking about like student loans and stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. Literally. Speaking of that piece, you were in Ghana recently for the Black Star Line Festival with the. I can't wait to go back. And you're, and you're uh, oh, I feel like I go, could go on two tangents because you went out there with Vic, right? Yes. And you're on the Vic Mensa team. So I kind of want to get into that. But for now, let's just talk about what you felt being in Ghana and experiencing people's life there and like how you saw that people take intentional space to just yes live life definitely so i went out there for vic mensa not with him but that's my brother and i really just was trying to show my support for his vision Mm -hmm. and like you said it's all about holding space and it's all about you know just executing what you can see and he is such a pillar in our community because he is in touch with his african roots and that's something that i wish you know i understood my heritage you know all the way and I knew exactly where my peoples were from but because he has that knowledge he is able to execute and to you know expand on so many just ideas and so many beneficial ways to impact the community that I had to be a part of it and it's just even aspect of like you know being both from Chicago and just having that level of like I think as a black person, all black people should want to go to Africa, period. Mm. Like, I've always wanted to go as a child, period. That was the, always the, the one place I'm like, yeah, like, absolutely. I want to know where my roots are. So even though I don't know exactly where my roots are, I knew that it was an important trip to me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was something that, you know, I also wanted to go in with intention. So the fact that Black Star um, Music Festival was this year and Chance the Rapper and Vic Mensa got, you know, the whole vision just down to a T. It was an amazing event. So organized, so beautiful, and just full of great energy and great vibes, like, to be honest. So understanding that from afar, I had to be a part of it. And I didn't even get my Ghana ticket until, like, four days before I left. Wow. Yeah, like, it took me a lot to get out there. I hadn't had my – I never have had my passport. My parents have never been out of the country. Like, this was all new turf for me all new turf i didn't even know how to go about the passport process like i literally it was just a lot you know what i'm saying but i i had that level of like i am i want to do the right thing i know this is the right thing to do and i'm not gonna stop until i just do it and i did it so that's so important you know it's like that understanding of like when you see something that resonates with your soul 
and that resonates with you know things that are deeper than you like I wanted to go to Ghana not just for my experience but also for my family mm. like I wanted to be you know the one cousin that could be like yo like we in Africa with it like <laughs> you see my location like <laughs> you feel me Ghana is beautiful and even just that aspect of knowledge like I want anybody in my family to think that that's always accessible to to go to another country and learn and to go to another country and to just be and to understand you know other cultures way of living and it's like that's just such a pillar you know like for not just my family but for others too like even just the fact that I posted it you know little things where it's like you can inspire people by just doing the right thing and I clearly knew it was the right thing like me and Vic had been working really closely when I lived in Chicago and since I've moved back to New York I haven't been you know as hands-on with the team but a lifelong member for sure there's nothing that I wouldn't contribute to the Mensa team you know what I'm saying so it's just that aspect too of like understanding that yo my brother had a vision I support you fully to the point where I'm gonna do everything I need to do to just come out there and meet you there you know what I'm saying it's like when you know that you're right around the right people you just gonna meet them at the top I never had to stress like Mm. I literally told folks, I'm like, yo, I've never been out the country. This is super new to me. Can you help me get my visa? He's like, just when you get there, you go, you got it. <laughs> and, you know, it's so funny because men be doing that. They be like, oh, like, just just go. We rock with it. Go. You got it. And as a woman, I'm like, yo, I need, like, plans. Like, I need everything to be, like, safe and secure. But with Ghana, it was just, like, all, all feeling. And I knew, like, okay, it's going to happen. It's going to work out. It's going to be a great trip. It's going to be a great festival. And it was, you know what I'm saying? So even just stepping into the trip with that level of intention, it made the memories blossom so much deeper where it's like, I can't wait to go back. (laughs) I'm going back in December already. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sure it was incredible. What did you do? Like, do you have any highlight moments? Yeah. Definitely. So obviously the Black Star Festival was amazing. I saw T-Pain perform at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. That was so funny. Yo, I did not think I needed to see T-Pain perform live. If you're a 2000s baby, you need to see T-Pain perform live, period. I'm sorry. Like, that was crazy. I saw Erica Badu perform. Beautiful. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful. And that was another thing, too. It was like, yo, seeing all of these artists perform in, they were all in there. a cry. Wow. Yes. Like, eh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And just to to be immersed in just, like, family, you know what I'm saying? Like, there was a lot of Chicago people there. Like, I looked up and saw Joe Fresh Goods, Des Money, wow. the whole John Basile team. Shout out wow. to them. Like, Shout all the Save them. Money. Yeah, you know wow. what I'm saying? So, like, it was that level of like togetherness. Exactly. But then also, you know, like understanding just like the the intention that everybody put into being, being there. there. Like together, it was yeah. so Chicago and Ghana. You literally would have thought we was walking down fifty third. <laughs> like it was crazy. But it's also beautiful to see just so many black people come together. And that's my favorite part about just like other countries in general it's just that level of like community that's naturally there mm-hmm. where it's just like if there's a move there's a move like black star was the move and i cry like as soon as you got to the airport what you here for black star you know what i'm saying immediately so when you are you know when you have those bigger duties from god to to execute something then you see how the energy just flows through it naturally and it was it was gorgeous i think another highlight that i had too was i had a photo shoot 
with uh, Black Magazine. Shout out to to Gideon, everybody, all my guys. Um, and it was like super on a limb. Like we didn't know we were gonna do it. It's my last day in the car. And two hours before I got on the flight, I did a whole photo shoot with my friends. Like two six hours? looks. Two hours. You weren't stressed? Nope. We I would have been so like, fun. guys, let's do this photo shoot Yo, another we were day. So much fun. <laughs> I did not want to leave. They're like, You you have to leave right now. I'm like, yo, my I had to fly to Amsterdam. Crazy as hell, but my flight to Amsterdam left at like ten PM. I was still shooting at like eight PM. Did you go to Amsterdam and then to Ghana? You yes. Had a, oh, yeah. That was my pit stop. So I Did went. Did you do anything while you were there? Yeah, I spent two days in Amsterdam. Oh wow! Yeah, Amsterdam was so fun, and even just that aspect too. It was like I knew that once I got my passport, I'm like it's over with. Like you can go wherever the fuck I want. It, yes, it's over <laughs> with. It's it's international Pony year for real because that's my thing. I love traveling, and I'm a solo traveler. I literally went to to Amsterdam and Ghana by myself. Wow, like, good for I, you. Yes. I was like, yo, we're going to do this, and we're just going to handle it. We're going to thug it out. So You thugged it out. Exactly. Oh, and wow. there's so much value in learning as you go. Mm-hmm. Some people don't understand that. Like, I, I be learning as I go, and I have trust in my discretion that I will be divinely guided anywhere I go. Like, I'm I'm going to know, like, okay, this is the, the spot to be. This is not the spot to be. Or, like, maybe I should... You know, go get something to eat over here. Maybe I should just cook over here. Like, it's just that level of, like, internal compass. Like, I listen to that internal voice more than anything. So traveling, it's like it really comes into handy in that aspect of, like, you know, you know. When you know, you know, no matter where you at. What's your way of listening to that internal compass? I do the same thing, but um, I don't know. Maybe some people listening will think it's some woo-woo stuff or, like, Or maybe they're like, I don't, you know, I think people think about these things in a lot of different ways. So I'm Definitely. curious about what your way is. of For sure. Yeah. So I think that that internal voice is the closest thing to God. That's the closest thing that you have of like pure guidance. And it's like, personally, I'm a very spiritual person. I wouldn't necessarily put myself into a certain religion, but I'm a very spiritual person. Like I believe in the most high. I pray every day. So it's like that aspect of like understanding that there's something bigger than you in the world and then just letting that necessarily like follow and protect you. And I think it's that level of alignment where it's like if something feels like it's not right, you kind of get this feeling in your chest almost. Or like when something feels weird, your body reacts to it. I I think about those things and it's like I meditate a lot too. So when I don't feel like stabilized or balanced, then I can uh, I, I alert myself immediately like, yo, this is not really what you're feeling. You know what I'm saying? It's like I, I have a good playing level with myself where it's like I can articulate my emotions well. And then that is how you, you know, execute things properly, because it's all about that level of like emotional stamina. Like, how do you expect to do something well if your heart is not in it? Hmm. Or how do you expect to, how do you expect to, you know, like fully go through with something and, you know, your, your stomach or just your whole body is, is having these things or your mind is like, "Mm, maybe this is not like, I don't like feeling skeptical. And Mm. I've felt like that before. Like I've done business deals, collabs. I've been around, I've, I've been in relationships with people that I'm skeptical about. Why? Because I'm trying to ride or diet. I'm trying to. You know, I'm trying to just do what what is easy at the time where I'm trying to be easy flowing. Like, no, sometimes you have to listen to yourself more than anybody. And even if it's not the easiest thing to do, it may be 
the right thing in the bigger picture. Well, then what do you think is the difference between like jumping over fear? Like what if it's mm. fear talking or like paranoia? True. And because this is something I struggle with. What's mm-hmm. the internal voice telling me that this is a situation I shouldn't be in? And what's me being scared that I need to be willing to take the risk to explore? Because True. sometimes I took the risk and it ended up being a bad situation. Right. And I should have just listened to my gut. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel a little bit weird, unsure about the situation. I take the risk and it turns out being an amazing situation. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're saying like when to hop over that fear. Yeah. Yeah. What? I think when I look at fear, I look at it closely, like almost like anger. So I articulate anger as frustrated sadness. Huh. Yes. So I don't really get mad that often because when I get upset, I really realize that the core feeling is hurt. I'm sad and I'm just frustrated, sadly. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think with fear, it's like I look at fear and I'm just like, yo, this situation may not be scary, but you don't feel safe. So how can you feel safe in this situation or how can you take the risk in a safe way or how can you get Mm. over the fear in a more secure way. You know what I'm saying? That makes so sense. it's kind of like I look at fear as almost like literally like I, I, I a hurdle. Like really I look at it like hurdles where it's like it's meant to be jumped over. And whether I am landing on my feet or whether I'm not landing on my feet, at least I got over it. You see what I'm saying? So I, I value taking the risk always more than not. Because sometimes like I'm the type to learn hard headed. My mom gets so mad at me like that. She's like, you have to go through everything no one can tell you anything. I'm like, yeah, because that's how I learn. I much prefer to take the risk every single time because there's way more on the other side of fear. Way more. So I don't try to be scared of shit. Like, even when I was a kid, I'm like, I I like bugs. If all the girls don't like bugs, I like bugs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't trying to be scared of all this shit just because society is telling us uh, to or something. Like, I really I can think about that with police as well, but that's a whole nother tangent. Wow, but, you want to talk about that? Hey, that's a whole nother <laughs> one. But I think there's a lot of like societal embedded fears that that you know that 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 people try to give other people, mm-hmm. and I just look at fear as like, yo, that's something you're gonna have to jump over. Like when I was a kid and I was scared of the dark, I'm like, you're gonna have to get over this, kid. Like I'm telling myself this. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, this not it. Like, no, you don't, you can't be scared of the dark. That's not cool. That's not what big girls do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like even like healing that inner child, like mm-hmm. because I'm so in touch with my inner child, me and her, are, let me, hold on. G. Like me and my inner child are G's. And some people think that that's lame, but like, nah, that's really how you like. Why? Why would they think that's lame? Because it's like some people don't really like to embrace that. You know what I'm mm. saying? Like, some people be trying to be like, oh, I'm so mature, I'm this, adult. this, that. Yeah, um. I'm healed. This That's an everyday thing, my mm. boy. Like, you got to you gotta talk to the inner you and the inner child in you every day. So the fact that I'm already close with her, it's like I, I know kind of like how to tend to my inner child. And if I see that I'm scared of something, I'm automatically tapping in with her and just being like, okay, how can we how can we do this in a way that makes you confident on how you step in? So even if I'm thinking about that that barrier of fear, I'm just like, yo, I'm just gonna jump as high as I can and I'll, I'll get over it. Even if I don't land, at least I jumped as high as I could. So it's about having that mindset and then just not being scared to fall. Like I know some risk you were like, damn, I ain't have to do that, but like low key you did. 
Hmm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> nah, for real. You you love to feed people grapes. Grapes. I'm a grape lady, man. Shy concessions. Yes. What is it about this like grape thing? Grape lady. <laughs> yes. So Shy Concessions um, is a sector of Shy products. And it's my favorite sector because it has food. I love food. I'm such a foodie. Love food. That What's makes your favorite me foods? so happy. Favorite cuisines or favorite like dishes? Favorite cuisines. Cuisines. Um, I love African food. East African or West African food. Uh, top. Um, what about the favorite dishes within East African food? I love dorawat. Dorawat is like a really spicy chicken dish from Ethiopian mm. uh, cuisine. Um, I love jollof rice, plantains, agusi. What else? Uh, just, yo, puff puff, like fresh puff puff in the morning is so good. What else? I love Mexican food, too. I can mm, never go I wrong with Mexican, Mexican food. food. I love Italian food, like pasta, any time of the day. I had I had rigatoni for breakfast, literally. <laughs> but um, I had steak taco, too, when I landed. But, yeah, uh, any type of African food, Mexican food, Italian food, I can eat at any point of the day. Always. But Okay, grapes. shy concessions. Yes, yeah. grapes. Grape lady. So I started shy concessions um, when the riots took place with, with – uh, what should have been, you know, a way bigger thing. But the summer of 2020, when George Floyd died um, and people really started waking up on just like the big corporations that were in our neighborhoods and my local neighborhood, uh, what is it called? Neighborhood market, Walmart, what they call type thing had got trashed. And honestly, I was all for it because it's like, fuck the white corporations. Like we need more fresh produce from people in our own communities that's circulating back into the community. Mm. So what I did was I started to go to different produce stands and fresh produce, you know, areas, and I would cut up fresh watermelon, apples, fruit, like anything I would get my hands on, even if it was like something that was deemed as like not desirable. You know what I'm saying? So like imperfect fruits and stuff like that. I would always try to like donate any type of imperfect fruits to like people that couldn't come and get cut fruit. So concessions really started off with just that that aspect of like wanting to get more fresh produce into other communities. And when I say other communities, I really mean black and brown communities because there was a real food desert um, on the low end in 2020. And when I had moved back from New York, I was just like, yo, like in New York, you can go on the corner and get like a whole, you know, the whole right. shebang for like ten dollars. And it's like there's hella fruit stands out there. Why is there no fruit stand on like 47th? Why is there no fresh fruit between mm, 47th and like 79th? Like there's like a a whole food desert on the south side that nobody's really paying attention to. So concessions really started off with that aspect of wanting to bring healthier food options and cheaper food options to our communities. And then when I moved to New York, when I moved back to New York in 2021, I really wanted to encapsulate more Chicago signature treats, but then putting twists on them so that even people in Chicago wouldn't get bored of them. So my favorite take is the taffy grape. And the taffy grape is a conventional green grape, seedless, GMO grape. <laughs> but a seedless grape, green grape, with white chocolate, and sometimes they put like peanuts or caramel or, you know, kind of like that taffy apple type of play. Um, when I moved to New York, I instantly was like, yo, we're going to try all different types of toppings. Like I put 
I'm not gonna, you know, put my whole secret on here. But yeah, but we have a, a Bookies and Bream grape, which is like a combination of like different types of like grandma cookies that you would get, you know, on a Sunday being at your grandma's crib, but then you're like mixing it with that familiarity of a taffy grape. Um, we have the classic grape, which is like a cinnamony type of you dig going on, which is cool. And then uh, we have the honey oat and crunch. That one's really good. So, yeah, it's just like bringing in something that's signature from Chicago, but then always putting in that like surprise twist. So like when I was in New York, I was always eating like granola, some type of like, you know, some type of crunchy something in my breakfast. Crunchy? Yes, I wanted why, something why crunchy. Something crunchy? Um, cause I don't know. I feel like in New York, I got used to sandwiches really heavy. Like, you know, you in the deli and the bodega all the time. So I'm like, yo, a parfait in the morning is really it. Like the granola snaps every time. Mm. So when I looked at granola, I'm like, yo, this actually might be really good on a taffy grape. And that shit is a hit. It's so good. I love the bodega though. Yeah, the bodega is good, but you get used to it really fast. I guess. I'm a big fan of chopped cheese. True. But your stomach though, like after a while, <laughs> it's like, yeah. I uh, I kept hearing chopped cheese in like songs and shit. <laughs> yeah, I went into Harlem and got him with chopped cheese, and I was yeah. like, I gotta go get one. <laughs> so I went to New York, and I was just like, wow, chopped cheese. Everywhere. Yeah, Not New York right. corner stores and like fruit stands and stuff like that are different. Yeah, it's super convenient, and even you know that was that was another thing too. Like when I was in Ghana, I was like, damn, like I can't just walk to the bodega, like. I can't just go get something from down the street. Like New York spoils you for real. Like you at any point of the day. That's the that's really the part that's spoiling. It's twenty four hours. Like New York is twenty four hours. You can get whatever you want at any hour. That is crazy. <laughs> crazy. Your dream car is a is a Lambo Urus. Urus. A, Lam- a yeah, Urus SUV. Yeah. Well, you you told me that you don't even really want a yes. Lambo Urus. Yep. So it's kind of like a little a little oxymoron type of your dig. But my dream car is a super years, as Lucky would say, a Lamborghini truck. Um, and I only say that because as a kid, I think a lot of people, you know, just really strive for that like Lambo type of status. And I was one of those kids that's like I saw a Lamborghini for the first time and I'm like, whoa. You know what I'm saying? Like, Whoa. you kind of, like, stop in your tracks. And when you hear the price tag, it even, you know, it puts even more value to it. And when I saw the truck, I was like, holy smokes. Like, this is hard. It's a good car. And I like cars a lot. Like, my favorite car, for real, for real, is a Beamer X6M. Like, that's the machine, for real. That's that's the one. But I like the Urus because of the design features, even though it's not even, like, the best car. And even though it's very not affordable, it's more of the the principle and the the striving myself to get to that point. Like I would want to be able to go and buy a Urus at you any could, point yeah, if yeah. I could. Now, would I actually make that investment? Probably not. To be honest, I would much rather like build a whole estate in like another country. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like to be honest, like I would literally put that into property rather than a car. Cause I've drove hella cars. I've drove, you know what I'm saying? Like I've just have, <laughs> I have, I rather rent the car mm-hmm. than to put that much money into actually owning it. So knowing myself on like how I actually spend money, I wouldn't get my dream car, but it still is something that I strive for. Like I said, because it's that level of like completion. It's that level of like status where it's like, if I wanted to go hop in a year, it's yeah. Like, you know, I, my dreams have gotten to that point. My business has gotten to that point 
where Kim could go hop in the Urus. But would Kim actually go buy the Urus? Hell no. Nah. Like, I wouldn't even make an unnecessary purchase like that. But it's that level of wanting to, mm-hmm. you know? That's interesting. Like, you have these goals of seeing yourself mm-hmm. at this place where you could do these things. Yeah, just freedom. I think everybody wants just financial freedom, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not really about much. I just want to be able to do what I am able to do and not feel constricted. So if you can afford a year, it's not a lot that you can't do. That's very true. Yeah, that's that's the that's really why it's my dream car. It's like that level of freedom. What's next for Kim? That's Where is Kim headed? What does she want out of life? What does she want to do in the next six months, five years? Uh, what kind of people do you want to be surrounded by? What kind of people would you be excited about connecting with if they're watching mm. this, for example? That's a good one. So I think that in the next, you know, couple of years, for Kim Apani specifically, I want to just always be the best person I can be. And I've actually been so much more purposeful about that and just very intentional about that. I just always want to be a a gleam of light in any room that I'm in. And I always want to put a smile on somebody's face. You know what I'm saying? So either if I can do that through art, whether I can do that through conversation, whether I can do that through my business, whatever works, you know what I'm saying, is what's going to work. But um, I definitely think for the business, you know, for the company, uh, in each three sectors of it, I think that just expansion is really key for me right now. And I really want to hit um, an international scale of business for sure. It's going to happen. So. I'm sure. Not going to be too crazy, you know what I'm saying? But it's this six years later and we're talking about Ghana. So, you know, hopefully, inshallah, with everything, you know, going the way it's supposed to and divinely, you know, led by God, I can continue to carry out my purpose. And that purpose is to just promote positive change. I just want things to change for the better. And in the world that we're living in and just the societies that we're a part of, positive things are not always seen. Very true. Exactly. So that's really my my motto. When I pray every day, I'm always, you know, praying for a positive prosperity. Positive world. Yes, you know. And, you know, we're not perfect. Nobody is. But one positive thing a day can change the ways. So definitely. One positive thing a day can change the ways. Yeah, you know. So I'm, I'm so. definitely trying to be a pillar in that and I always want to lead by example so anybody that is watching this if you want to you know connect any leaders out there um, I'm always about you know starting new projects and just finding out of the way out of the box ideas for different ways to solve things so yeah pretty much an artistic mathematician artistic mathematician wow so you know we're just trying to change the world that's it One step at a time. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for joining me on the show today. This was great. I think this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you want to get in touch with Kim, her contact info is in the description as well as my own. Take care.